had a lot of fun with that uh, pro, uh, promo video and this series all summer long. We're excited and honored again that you're here today at Rock Bridge in Calhoun. My name again is Carl, and uh, I am the campus pastor here. And uh, it's been uh, 10 years. Lee and I moved here with our two daughters 10 years ago this uh, month or this past month in June. So it's been an incredible journey. It's been an honor and a privilege. We are humbled uh, to be here, to be a part of this church family, this incredible team of volunteers and staff and congregation. You guys have been an extension of my family uh, and our family for the last 10 years. Uh, in fact, our girls were just uh, finishing second grade when we moved here, and they are now graduating high school and have graduated high school and are moving on to their next season of life. So it's been an awesome journey for the last 10 years, and we are, again, honored that you're here uh, this morning. Before we dive into the series that we've been in, The Struggle is Real, I want to just pause for a minute and celebrate and also pray for uh, for some mission teams. We've had several teams leave. One of our values is to live since, and uh, we've had teams uh, leaving and returning all summer long. This past weekend, uh, or a week ago, we had a team come back from Dominican Republic uh, Republic in Nicaragua, some student trips, and in fact, this past Sunday or this past weekend, we had two uh, additional teams that lived sent this past week, one in Honduras and one in Florida. Our team in Honduras, led by Kevin King, uh, partnered with Living Water, where literally this morning, today, this afternoon, we have a community in Honduras that uh, because of your generosity, your giving, and because of our team that lived sent, uh, we have a community for the first time that has access to clean drinking water. So we're excited about that. And, and not only did they uh, produce a well uh, before they left, they were able to share the love of Christ, and we're excited about that as well. We also had a team uh, just get back Yesterday or this weekend from Florida with um, Lighthouse Family Retreat, where several of our members or attenders uh, had an opportunity, families had an opportunity to partner one-on-one with a family who has a child who has a, a, a serious illness or a serious disease like cancer. So we're, we're, we were able to minister to families at Lighthouse Retreat in Florida and uh, that happened as well. Tomorrow morning, this is the prayer request, uh, we have a team leaving. Uh, David, uh, um, uh, Daniel Hopkins is leading that team uh, from our Chatsworth campus, but uh, there are several people going, leaving for Ukraine tomorrow morning. So I want to pause and pray for them be, uh, as we uh, kick, kick off this uh, message. God, thank you for the teams that have left and returned, for your safety and protection, and for how you moved and used them, and um, how you're continuing to do a great work in those countries, in those communities, in those lives of those that we were able to intersect with, and those who went, and those who are here today who partnered with them through giving, through prayer, through just support. God, thank you for what you're doing in this place and what you're doing around the world. God, we do lift up Daniel and uh, that team to you, Brittany, and the rest of the team that leave in the morning. God, we pray for your protection. We pray uh, and thank you for your provision. God, we thank you in advance for how you're going to use that team in Ukraine uh, through English classes, uh, uh, the gospel being presented in a clear way. Pray in advance that you would open hearts and minds to the truth of your word through the gospel. God, thank you for the team that's going, for the opportunity that they have to live sent um, across the ocean. 
God, we love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. So my family had an opportunity in the last uh, week or two to go on a family vacation. Hopefully some of you have had a trip this summer or perhaps you're planning one soon. Uh, I, I love going on vacation with my family. I love uh, getting to that final place, that final destination. But my confession today in this message is that I am a destination guy And everything about the journey, getting to that destination, getting to the beach or getting to Disney, for me is about enduring the process, the journey. That I'm not a fun guy to be around in the weeks or days or hours leading up to getting to the destination. That time is not really fun for me. Once I get to that place, that beach or that Disney resort, whatever it is, I can start, I will allow myself to enjoy Uh, myself and uh, my family and the experience, but everything leading up to that, including the drive there, I just endure. Uh, And and I recognized as I processed that and how I um, inflict harm to my family on the journey leading up to vacation, that my dad was the same way. Maybe you can relate, but vacations for me growing up were a love-hate relationship, that that uh, things were not very fun for us uh, in our home the weeks or days leading up to vacation. It was about preparing. It was about things not working or getting things done in time or family chores or this to-do list or whatever it was. Uh, nothing seemed to go well the week leading up to the vacation, the destination. And, and that became the fo- uh, focus, just getting there. And if you're like me, you get so focused on the des- destination that everything else is just getting in the way of the fun that you want to have. I recognize that in, on my trips now, that everything about the journey, the drive, uh, the process to get to Florida, the beach a couple of weeks ago, I just endured to the point where when we, maybe you can relate dads, when we get to a drive through I want my kids and my family to know what they're going to order before they ever get to the window. Like, I don't want there to be confusion. I don't want there to be like changing your mind about your drinks or the sandwich or what comes on or off. Or please, please, if you're going to Chick-fil-A, know what sauce you want on your sandwich or on your nuggets. Uh, don't don't make me endure that process. My family laughs at me now when we go through drive-throughs for that very same reason. That I am just enduring. When I'm on a family vacation and we're on the road, uh, I, I am all about getting to the beach, getting to that final destination. In fact, when we get uh, to uh, a restaurant or a uh, or a uh, gas station. I am. Uh, I'm on a mission. I have a plan and a, and a purpose, and I want my family to not only drain their tanks, but fill their tanks. And if they can do it at the same time, that's even better. That's how I operate. I get to the destination. Everything about, everything leading up to that is I am enduring. I do not want to slow and slow down. And, and, and I realized as my daughters were toddlers that I sometimes have to slow down. Like when a toddler says, Daddy, I have to go to the restroom, I sort of have to find an exit as quickly as possible. My tendency is to wait two or three, and maybe perhaps they just were uh, just testing the waters. I recognize that that is not the case. And when we are told, when I hear, Daddy, I got to go to the restroom, it's time to get uh, to an exit as quickly as possible. But that slows me down from getting to the destination. There's nothing fun about getting off that exit because that just means we're going to get to the beach 30 minutes later than when I expected 
to get there. There's nothing fun about those, uh, those journeys for me. Uh, getting it's all about the destination and I wonder if many of you are like that when I'm on a drive when I'm on vacation it's about the mission the mission is to get there to get to that final place everything else is about enduring and here's what I want to say I think life is just like a vacation like preparing for life and the things that you and I are enduring today is just like a vacation. Life is a long-distance trip or a journey, and we all have destinations we're trying to get to. Perhaps for some of you in this room, your destination is retirement, and you're enduring a job that you're not super excited about, but it's okay because you know that eventually in a number of years or months or days, you have a clock and you've set the countdown, and you know the destination is where you want to arrive, and everything else is just is just chaos. It's just, it's just the thing that you're enduring to get to the destination. In our Christian walk, we have a destination, don't we? It's heaven. We look forward to meeting Jesus face to face and everything that we're enduring in this world is passed away and we have this glorious home and this glorious life encountering uh, Jesus in real time, face to face. And I think in our life as Christians, as Christ followers, we think about uh, or we lose sight of all that God is doing along the way, on the journey that we're on, the things that are happening every single day, every moment of every day. There's a journey that we can, uh, that we can be a part of and that we can actually enjoy. Some of us, uh, we're students and we're thinking about graduation. We're so excited to get to, uh, to, to the end zone, to the home run, which is high school or college graduation. And, and 12 or K through 12 is a, is a journey we're enduring. We're not enjoying that. Uh, we're, we're suffering through that as students. But as soon as we get that diploma and walk across that stage and toss that, hair, that hat into the air, it's done. That's our destination. We've enjoyed that day, that destination, but everything else we missed. The opportunities along the way to, that we simply endured. The Christian life in the Bible is referred to many times as a walk. And it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. That we have an opportunity in the, the, the struggle that I want to talk about today is how to enjoy this journey that we're on. Ephesians chapter 1. I'm just going to highlight a couple of verses. They're not going to be the verses we're going to camp out in, but uh, Paul talks about this walk that, that I'm a prisoner for the Lord, he says, and I urge you to walk worthy of the calling. In Ephesians chapter 5, he goes on and talks about this walk that be imitators of God, dearly beloved children, uh, and, and walk in love as the Messiah also loved us and gave himself for us a sacrificial and a fragrant offering to God. Because if we're not careful in this life, whether you're a Christian today or not, that we can get so focused on our destination that we miss out on this incredible joy that comes from all phases, all circumstances of the journey that we're on. So the struggle I want to unpack, the struggle uh, it's real that I want to talk about that God laid on my heart today is this, that we have an opportunity to discover or find joy in the journey as we prepare for the destination. That life is a journey. The Christian walk is a journey. The struggle is if we were so focused on the destination, we're going to miss what God is doing in and through you and I right 
now in the journey and to help us to see how we can, God wants to meet us in the middle of our mess, in the middle of our, our storm, in the middle of what's going well and what's not going well, in the middle of our journey, in light of our destination. What we're going to discover in Philippians, if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to turn there. We're going to be in Philippians beginning in chapter 3. But what I want to talk about today is that you and I are on a journey. God has all of us on this storyline, on a journey with him and, and, and for him, as we discover in Paul's letter in Philippians chapter 3. And, uh, and to set this up, I want to share just a little bit that, of context about what's going on and why we can learn so much from Paul's letter. Paul, an apostle who's responsible for much of the New Testament, is writing a letter to a church, a group of people like you and I, that he started and then left in Philippi. That's why we call it Philippians. He's writing this letter. It's important to note for the sake of this story today and unpacking this struggle is he's writing this letter from prison. And, he, and Paul initially was a type A personality. When Paul was converted on that road and on his way to, to uh, Damascus, he, he was a type A personality. When he met Jesus, he was driven. He had a purpose, a mission, and that was to demonstrate Christ and to share Christ with others. He is destination focused and, and, and his goal and his mission was to travel from place to place with this incredible message and this incredible mission. Paul set out to be a destination guy, but as we're going to see in his story, we Paul learned a lot about joy to be experienced in the journey that he's on and that we are on today. In the circumstances, he finds joy himself. He finds joy in the middle of that prison. He finds joy in a ton of other situations that I'm going to share later. But he's going to help us discover that we can find joy in the middle, in the middle of our season, in the middle of our journey. That God literally knows what you walked into this room with today, what you're going through, what you're enduring, what what uh, diagnosis is in front of you, what uh, challenge in your bank account has suddenly crept into your life, what, what uh, situations going on in your home or in your workplace or in your school or what information you got that didn't sit right with you. God knows all about all of that stuff. And, and yet we discover in Paul's letter in Philippians that in the middle of all that, you and I have an opportunity to find joy. Not after everything gets well, not, everything, not after when everything gets better, but in the middle of that circumstance, that journey. Even in the most unlikely and unexpected circumstances, as we find in Paul, as he's literally in prison, writing this letter to his church and to us, or places that we are willing to go to choose joy, that there are seasons where things are not going to go the way that we want or expect, where things are not going to turn out in our favor from our perspective God gives us an opportunity to experience joy. Not on the other end of the storm, but right in the middle. So Paul's in jail writing this letter, and, there's, and he's there sharing his faith, and he's encouraging others around him. And yet, at the same time, he's teaching you and I about joy, because he's learned. It didn't come naturally to him. He's learned to find joy in the journey. He didn't say, if you 
dissect the entire story of Philippians, nowhere did I discover Paul saying, saying that once I get out of this place and then I will discover joy or once these circumstances change and these shackles are removed or once I have my freedom or once things turn around for me physically or, or uh, spiritually or when things are going so well, that is when I'm going to choose to have joy. Uh, and uh, until then, I'm just going to endure this journey. Paul said quite the opposite. That even in the middle of prison, we can have joy. In the middle of your journey, in the middle of your season, in the middle of your storm, we can have joy. We can choose joy. And he wasn't only in this story, in this passage, in this letter to us, uh, do we discover that he was just simply discovering or finding or experiencing joy for himself. He was encouraging those around him in his life to the point where it influences us, me, you and I, generations beyond us to experience that same kind of joy. So that's where we're going to dive into Philippians chapter 3, a little bit about Paul's history uh, and about what he's enduring. So he's writing this letter to a church from jail, picking it up in verse 1. Finally, he says, my brothers rejoice in the Lord to write to you again about this is no trouble for me. And it is for your protection. Watch out, he says, for dogs. Watch out for evildoers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, the ones who serve by the Spirit, boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put confidence in the flesh. He was simply saying, I have a resume, but my resume is, I'm going to set it aside. Although I once had confidence in my own uh, flesh in my own accomplishments, in my own background, in my own education. If anything else thinks he has grounds for confidence, like comparing it to my resume, I have more, Paul said, circumcised. He goes on. On the eighth day of the nation of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law, a Pharisee, well-trained. Regarding zeal, he was persecuting with enthusiasm the church. Regarding the righteousness that is in the law, he was blameless. He goes on in verse 7, But everything that was a gain to me, my resume, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. He goes on to say, More than that, I've considered everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of Him, because of Him, I underline this in my Bible, I have suffered the loss of all things, my, and consider them filth, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness by my own from the law, there's nothing that I can do but one that is through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. Not anything that Paul did, but uh, he's giving all the credit, all the acknowledgement for who he is in Christ, on his faith in Christ alone. And he goes on in verse 10, my goal, my desire, my intention is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. He's sitting in prison, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow. He's assuming he has faith and trust that Jesus is going to show up, reach the resurrection from among the dead. He goes on in Philippians 3, verse 12. 
Not that I've already reached the goal or I'm already fully mature. Paul is teaching us in that passage that he has not yet figured it all out. He is still a work in progress. He's still learning, growing, maturing in the faith. But I make every effort to take hold of it because I have also been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and pressing forward to what is ahead, I pursue as a goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, all who are mature should think about it this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will will reveal this to you as well. So the first thing from this passage, these uh, 15 verses that I want to share with you in this struggle, it's real about having joy in the journey is this. Joyful people learn to be content in their current circumstances or season. That joyful people, like Paul, learn to be content in their current circumstances or season, regardless of what is going on in your life, whether the news that you just received or the dynamics in your family or your finances or for you physically or with your job or education, whether you got the acceptance letter to the, uh, to, to the school of your first choice, whatever your situation is in your current story, in your current season of life. What Paul is teaching us is that, that God is more concerned with your character than our comfort. That he is more concerned with growing us, shaping us, molding us, sharpening uh, Uh, helping us mature in our faith, not necessarily changing our circumstances, not necessarily making us more comfortable. I think we would all agree uh, uh, that the desire that we have to be comfortable is is not a bad thing. Every Sunday afternoon at about 2 o'clock or 2.30, I find a recliner. I don't find it. It sits in the same place in my family room. There's a recliner in my family room that I am comfortable for about two or three hours every Sunday afternoon. I enjoy reclining and napping uh, for several hours. Uh, but I would, I would submit to you that God does not want me to stay there. That his goal is not for my comfort. His goal is to allow situations difficult at times to enter into my life where I am growing in my knowledge and love and understanding of the character of who Christ is in my life. We all desire comfort. We all desire our our lives to be better as Christ followers. But I would submit that that is not necessarily God's goal and his priority for you and I. The problem is I've discovered at times in my life that comfort will sometimes lead to complacency Complacency will sometimes lead to laziness. And that's not where God would have us. In fact, Philippians 4, if you turn a chapter later in verses 11 through 13, the Bible says, I don't say this out of need. Paul says, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. I know both how to have little, I know how to have a lot. In any and in all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I'm able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, Paul's attitude in Philippians to us 
for us to uh, learn from is that he was content. That Paul faced excruciating poverty and extreme hardship, yet he discovered the secret of being content. Back to Philippians chapter 3 and verses 8 through 10, he says, More than that, I consider everything to be a loss. I'm content to give away everything that I hold dear in view of the surpassing value that Jesus plus nothing is everything, of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them filth so that I may gain Christ and be found in him and having a righteousness of my own from the not and not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. He goes on to say, my goal, my desire, my aspiration is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his, his death. See, I think joy is this quiet, confident assurance of God's love and affection for you right where you're at today. And it's not based on your circumstances. That even if, that even if, those two powerful words, even if God does not change your circumstances today, he can still be your hope and your source of joy because of what he's done for you. That even if that diagnosis the cure doesn't come, that even if your bank account doesn't turn today, that even if your child doesn't come back today, that even if your spouse doesn't change today, that even if that letter that you're expecting about that school of your choice never comes, that even if you are sentenced to prison for years for a crime perhaps that you didn't commit that you're not exonerated, that even if your circumstances today never change, Paul's teaching us that we can learn to have joy, to be content in this journey that we're on today. The second powerful and simple truth that I want to share with you in, in this joy struggle is this, that people who are joyful, joyful people understand the power of focus on him in a way from their circumstances. It's a powerful truth that I believe Paul teaches beautifully in this letter. In Philippians 3.13, he says this, Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. And I underline this in my Bible. But one thing I do. He says this, Forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. See, I believe in this letter that Paul wrote in the circumstances that he found himself in, that God chose not to change immediately, that he had all kinds of opportunities to be distracted in prison from the distraction of being chained, the distraction of, of, of the environment, from the distraction of the lack of privacy, from the distraction of meals that were not adequate, from the distraction of, of just... Uh, being in community with a bunch of other men that he did not know or associate with. He had all kinds of opportunities to lose focus, to be distracted. And when you look at his letters, one thing that just pours out of his 
his life is that he was focused on one thing, and that was his relationship with Jesus Christ. So to help me illustrate this this morning or today, I need your help, and I'm going to ask you to do something uh, for me in the next couple of minutes. So uh, as you listen to my voice, I, I want all of you to look into the ceiling somewhere. Pick an object. It could be a light, a projector, a piece of equipment. But find something to look up to, to focus on while I'm talking. Don't look away yet. Just look at that thing as I'm talking. Focus on that. Now, without hitting your neighbor, I need you to, to raise both of your hands off to your side and start to wiggle your fingers. Don't lose focus on that thing in the air. Just wiggle your fingers. I hope nobody got hit in the mouth right now. But don't lose focus, please. Stay focused on that most important thing, that light, that fixture, whatever it is. Now, I'm going to ask you just to turn to one of your hands and focus on that. Focus on your problems, those peripheral things that you lose, that, that you lose focus on the most important thing. You can put your hands down. See, when we start to look at that stuff, as Paul demonstrated in that letter, that oftentimes when we are focused on Christ and these things are happening, the diagnosis, the bank account, the hardship, the medical concern, the, 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 the relational challenge, what happens is when we be, take our focus off Jesus and look at that thing, there's something that happens We lose sight of the original thing, the most important thing that we had our focus on. We can't even see it any longer in our peripheral. When we were looking intently at that thing, we could see these things happening, but they were not causing a distraction because we chose not to allow them to be priority in our life. But as soon as we start to look at that thing, that that circumstance, that journey that we're on that we're not extremely excited about, we lose entirely the focus on our Savior. And that's the point I want to make today, that, that it is important. Paul demonstrated that we are intended, and his desire is for us to stay focused on our Heavenly Father, to not get distracted and lose the joy in the journey that we have because of who Christ is and how much he loves us. When we're looking at the stuff, we look away from our Savior That Paul is teaching us in this passage that even when you look at Jesus, even when all of this stuff is happening, you and I can still have joy because of who he is in our life. When we focus on Jesus, we will quit seeking joy joy in in arriving at our destination. We'll quit seeking joy and happiness in those things getting better or just going away completely, that we will find joy in the journey, even in the middle of all of this stuff happening in our lives, in our circumstances, in this journey. This, takes, this requires us, church, to take our focus away from those circumstances. I and mean, we literally have to not prioritize our focus on all of that stuff. You can fill in the blank. Maybe you have today. You know what that thing is that's causing you to take your eye off the prize. It's not about the promotion, the acceptance letter, whether you get that call back from that company, whether you get the yes for the invitation, whether you get the acceptance, whether you are respected or not at your 
at your place of employment, whether or not things get better in your family today, whether or not you are freed, whether or not your diagnosis changes and you get news from the doctor, none of that is going to affect the joy that you and I can experience in Christ and Christ alone. Our joy comes from one place, Paul teaches, and only one place. It becomes our mission statement, our purpose in life. It's how we lead and how we're led. That we can literally, even in as we leave this place and go into our workplaces this week or into our schools in this next school season, that whatever season that we can be led, regardless of how the things are going around us, with joy, how we interact with people in our life, how we react to things that happen in our life that come our way, that we would not wish on our worst enemy. The final thing I want to share with you today is this, that joyful people honor the past, but don't live in it. They honor the past. Paul said in Philippians 3 and verses 13 and 14, forgetting, he says, what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. We are not meant to live, to dwell in the past. Paul had plenty of stuff. He had a resume of things that he did and that were done to him that he could have allowed to hinder who he was and the joy that he experienced in Christ, but he chose not to. He chose to forget all of that and to reach forward, to turn forward, to pursue the goal, the prize promised by God's heavenly call. When we get stuck in our past, the events of our life, those things that happen to us or that we have done in our life, we miss God's faithfulness along the journey. To illustrate that this uh, today, I want to share with you a video that I ran across this week. Many of you have seen this on YouTube or on social media, but I want to share an illustration, I think a powerful illustration of what can happen to us when we forget and look back instead of pursuing and pressing forward. Check this out. Beat the freeze. They give the uh, contestant a head start, and then watch this guy in the freeze suit. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Watch this, folks. I mean, the guy had, what, a 200-foot head start? At least. Look at this guy go. This guy is beautiful. How awesome is that? I would not want to be that guy. That is a viral hit. That video is played, has been played thousands and thousands of times on YouTube and on social media and on news feeds uh, ever since that happened. But I thought that was a powerful illustration of what can happen to us What happened to him? He was about to cross the finish line, perhaps to be the first guy to beat Freeze at uh, Atlanta's new stadium. But as he got close, he got a little arrogant. He took his eye off the prize. He looked back. He, He lost sight of what he was doing, and it caused him to crash and burn, to face plant in front of thousands and now millions of people. You and I have that opportunity every single day in our life to look back, to dwell on that thing, our past, that thing that happened to us when we were a child, that thing that happened to us in that previous marriage, that thing that happened to us in that thing that we didn't deserve, and that thing that we did and don't see God's uh, forgiveness in that thing, that we can look back. And God and Paul, through uh, 
guy through Paul's letter is saying, to press forward, forgetting all of that stuff. Don't let that stuff take your eye off the prize, which is me in Christ Jesus. Paul had an opportunity to look at his past. He was a persecutor of Christians. He was stoned and left for dead. He suffered a time of hunger and thirst. He was mocked and ridiculed. He lost a close friend and co-worker. He was opposed and made the center of controversy. He was falsely arrested and faced an assassination plot. He experienced extreme times of weariness and sleeplessness. He was persecuted, beaten, and whipped. He was bitten one time by a snake. He was shipwrecked. He was arrested and imprisoned for months at a time, multiple times. And eventually he was executed. In Paul's pursuit of Jesus and pursuit of joy in Jesus, Paul had a whole list of things where he could have said, I don't think this is okay for me to live in this joy because of what I have experienced in my past. He could have been distracted by his past and even his current situation, but he didn't and he wasn't. He chose joy. In Philippians 3, 14 through 16, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. God has a calling on your life, even in the middle of your circumstances, even if he doesn't change them today. That he has placed a calling on your life in Christ Jesus. Therefore, you are mature. Uh, who are mature should think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. See, Paul demonstrated the ability to look at his past and remember God's faithfulness and God's favor. As you look back at those things you've been through, you look back at those things that you've done, I pray, and my prayer for you is that you will take the opportunity to honor God's faithfulness. There's opportunities for me as a 47-year-old to look in my rearview mirror and see how God showed up and rescued and saved and used circumstances in my life to point me to him Today, and my prayer for you is that you will pause enough to look at the mirror and look at how God was faithful in your life and is faithful in your circumstances today because of the faithfulness that He's demonstrated in your past. Paul said, as he looked and honored God but didn't dwell, he said this, and his mission, his goal was in Philippians 1:21 when he said, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. See, Paul was focused as I conclude this message today. Paul was focused on the journey and the destination. It's okay, in fact, it's okay to have a destination. Paul's mission and purpose was about the destination, which was for me to live as Christ on this earth. My mission is for now to share Christ in every opportunity that, that I have and to die is gain, that I want to see Jesus face to face and to be reunited with him and to experience what it's like in my heavenly home. He had a mission. It's okay uh, to have a focus in light of eternity, to have a destination that you're striving toward, toward, but it's also important to have focus in the journey. He chose to live intentionally today, right now, in good times and in bad, in light of eternity. He chose to live intentionally in light of eternity. He lived with a mission, a statement that he shared with everyone, that I'm going to live for Christ, and I'm going to die one day 
for gain. And you should as well. So my question as we wrap up this message today is are, are you living with joy? Are you in a struggle with a destination where you're enduring, enduring this journey? Are you in a situation right now that you walked into this room with? It perhaps is the thing that brought you back to church or brought you to church. Maybe God is using a circumstance right now in your life to draw you, to woo you, to encourage you to trust and rely and depend on him and him alone. It's what God did for Lee and I 18 years ago through infertility and through a miscarriage. That God was allowing a circumstance to happen in our life to draw us to him, to be used by him and to experience him in a way that we would have otherwise not. To live for Christ is to die and gain. Are you stuck? Are you focused so much on your journey, on your destination that you can't see God in your journey? And I would simply ask, what is your next step? If you're here today and something brought you here just because of a circumstance you're going through and you recognize and realize that the joy Paul talks about you don't have because you don't have a relationship with Christ. You've not yet surrendered your life to him. You've not given him control of your life and your circumstance. You've not said yes. You've not asked him for forgiveness of your sins so that you can walk abundantly with him. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life on this earth and have it more abundantly. Maybe perhaps you're here today, someone invited you or you showed up and you don't have joy and you're not even sure what that looks like if you are ready to surrender your life to Jesus. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus was was raised from the dead, you will be saved. But it's not by works, it's by faith in him. It's trusting him, it's giving him control of your life. You can make that decision, you can experience everlasting, enduring love of our Savior who has a calling on your life. So my prayer is that if that's you today, you'll surrender and you'll make that decision today boldly and with confidence. I'd love to talk to you after the service. For the rest of us here, maybe you're a Christ follower and and you're stuck in this journey and you're not enjoying it and you're so focused on the destination that that you've not met Jesus right where you are today. Would uh, Would you recognize perhaps there's a step for you to experience joy even if he doesn't change your circumstance. That in the end, he wants to use you as he did Paul to impact the life of somebody else. Maybe perhaps that's going public in baptism and sharing your testimony of what God has rescued you from so that others can be encouraged in that. Maybe perhaps for some of you, and we have a baptism in a couple of weeks, perhaps some of you, that decision is to simply serve. And that's not simply, that's to serve. I'm encouraged every single week. Right now we're in a season where we're interviewing and potentially future, uh, very in the near future hiring a new worship pastor. Every single Sunday I see Kenzie and Ethan and Season and Chris and the rest of our team, incredibly talented volunteer team who God has gifted uniquely to play an instrument or to sing beautifully for me and you to intersect with Jesus through song and through worship. And God has given you one of those gifts, even in the middle of your story today. And it's time for you to kind of get in the game and off the sideline. Perhaps it's serving in children. My life intersected with Jesus when I was a child, and it's given me a tremendous heart to walk alongside children 
in our community and in this church in a profound way. God's gifted some of you with a story where your journey is inter- can, could potentially change the life of a child. We have uh, nearly or over 200 children that show up in this building every single week. And we need more people who have a story, who are willing to invest, who don't necessarily have it all together today, but have a love for Jesus and a love to disciple others in the lives of children. And students, we have uh, an incredible opportunity. Some of us have a story that we're in a season where our, our story can impact and intersect the life of a 6th through 12th grader. We have an environment coming up called The Link on Sunday nights for our students where we are still looking for additional adult leaders that will pour into the life of our students through hospitality, through production, in a variety of ways, through administration, that God, maybe the next step for you is taking what you have today, the calling God has placed on your life. He's not waiting for all of us to get it all together. I do not stand on this stage having arrived. Paul did not stand in prison writing this letter like he had it all figured out. He was not fully mature. It's not about getting everything right and then being used by God. It's God using us in the middle of our circumstances, in the middle of our journey. And then perhaps for some of you, it's a little bit more intentional. Maybe it's you walking along somebody. Maybe God has rescued you from addiction and he's given you a platform to speak into somebody else's life. Maybe you've gone through a serious loss and there's another individual that God has given you opportunity to speak into their situation. Maybe you've come out of a season in your marriage and God is showing up in powerful ways through that and you can walk alongside another couple in our church. Or maybe perhaps there's a new believer that you can take to coffee and encourage in their faith through discipleship. There's all kinds of opportunities for you to intentionally invest in light of eternity. So those are the opportunities wherever God has intersected this story into your life. I pray that you will prayerfully take a next step. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for this morning, for Paul's letter. Thank you for how you uh, used him to encourage me that I don't have to have it all together, God, that even in the middle of the storms of my life and our lives, that, God, we are on a journey with you. And, God, you have not called us just to endure. You've called us to engage. You've called us to live with abundant joy. You've called us to live intentionally in light of eternity. God, you've called us to your Savior. God, that there's some of us who just need to put our faith and our trust, to to let you have our life, that you will intersect our story, that you will give us new life, and that you will forgive us and new life, that you will forgive us and give us a purpose and a plan that that we can live joyfully with you. God, for the rest of us, whatever that next step is, serving, baptism, mentoring, whatever it is, living with the destination in mind as well as the journey in mind. God, whatever it is, would you meet us right now in this place? I ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.